How can one really know what is true? This is the topic on this week's episode of Kingdom Currents. Welcome to Kingdom Currents. I am Glenn Schultz, your host, and today we're going to talk about the only way to really know truth. In a recent episode, I addressed the importance of knowing truth in a post-truth culture. That uh, this idea that it's your truth, not my truth, really doesn't make sense. There is absolute truth. Uh, But today, I want to go and dig into scripture and see what God says about knowing truth. The reality is that there are two absolutes that are required if a person wants to know truth. First, that person must know God. There must be an intimate relationship with the God of the universe. And then second, the person must know God's word, the Bible. See, since every person is born with a sin nature and is separated from God, it is impossible for an unsaved person to fully know truth. This is because our our spirit is dead and we are unable to understand spiritual things. One of the miracles of being born again is that we regain our ultimate purpose, which is the ability to know God personally. However, once a person is born again, he must take on a daily task, and that task is the task of renewing his mind. Unfortunately, very few Christians ever go through an intentional effort to renew their minds. They end up going through life making decisions based on a secular or a worldly worldview that is pretty much grounded in lies. Most Christians that I have met and talked with want to know God's will for their lives. We hear believers saying that the best place to be in life is in the center of God's will. But if we don't tackle one very important task, the task of renewing our minds, we will never know his will for our lives. One of the most familiar verses in scripture is Romans 12.2. And when people talk about Romans 12.2, they really don't share the whole verse. They, they pretty much have memorized the first one. In the first part of that verse, it says this, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, a major change by the renewing of your mind. Uh, Unfortunately, most people stop there. What we fail to grasp is why renewing our minds is so important. Because, see, if you read the verse in its entirety, here's what it says. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. Now, did you catch that? (laughs) If we don't renew our minds, we won't know truth, but at the same time, we will be conformed to the world's way of thinking and acting, and we'll never be able to prove what God's will is for our lives. Renewing our minds is critical to knowing truth, knowing God's will, and becoming a disciple of Jesus. When this happens, the Bible tells us that we will be set free from lies, It will transform or radically change us. In my book, Kingdom Education, renewing the mind is so important, I devoted an entire chapter to that one topic. And I hope if you have the the book, you'll go and uh, 
Look up that chapter and read it and see it in its totality. Allow me to explain why I think renewing the mind is so important. Renewing one's mind is just not going through an exercise of positive thinking about life. It's not about uh, thinking negative thoughts, stopping that, and only thinking positive thoughts. In fact, this is what was behind the whole self-esteem movement. I, I can remember the self-esteem program that was called PUMSY. It, it swept through schools in the 90s and early, 80s and early 90s. Children as young as five years old were introduced to PUMSY. He was a little dragon finger puppet. They were told that PUMSY would lead them into cleaning out their quote-unquote mud mines and helping them make their minds to be a quote-unquote crystal one. In fact, one report that I read back then explained how an elementary teacher told her students that their friends and parents and teachers, etc., could all leave them, but Pumsy would never leave them. He would be there to guide them into uh, developing a crystal mind. The entire program was centered on the need for all children to develop a positive self-esteem. Now, now that sounds good, but unfortunately, many parents, even Christian parents and teachers, never really tried to understand what these people meant when they used the term positive self-esteem. I, I went to one organization's website and found a white paper that they had uh, produced that explained what a positive self-esteem meant. And here's what it said that a child needed to have a positive self-esteem so he or she would no longer think any negative thoughts about him or herself. Wow! Do you understand the danger of such thinking? See, if I never uh, think a negative thought about myself, it means that I never have done anything wrong, and I never can do anything wrong. And if I never do anything wrong, I never need correction in reality, I could say, well, it would be wrong to think that I'm a sinner and therefore I don't need a savior. That's a very damning way of thinking. So what does the Bible mean when it tells us to renew our mind? Well, to find that answer, we have to go to Paul's second letter to the church in Corinth. Again, this is a very familiar passage of scripture, but we often do not embrace the deep meaning in these verses. In 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 6, we find these words. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, and we are ready to punish as all disobedience whenever our obedience is complete. Now, now you hear all the language of being at war when you're renewing the mind here. It's entering into spiritual battle. It's, it's being engaged in spiritual warfare, and it's a raging war that Satan is actually waging against God, but it's taking place in our minds. See, Satan wants to keep us in the chains and the burdens of lies. He does not want us or our children specifically to know truth. 
And why is that? Because knowing truth sets a person free from the bondage of sin and lies. So we can only know truth when we renew our minds by taking every thought about every area of our lives and making them captive to Christ. But what does that mean? What, what do we mean when we say we're going to take something captive to Christ? Again, we see it is not about just trying to change our thinking in line with some subjective standard. No, it is to make sure all of our thoughts in every area of our lives are in line with Christ, who, according to John 14, 6, is the truth, who, according to John 1, is the word. So when you put that together, this means that renewing my mind is a spiritual battle where I look at all my thoughts and make sure they are aligned to Christ or to his word, which is the Bible, which is truth. Now in this passage in Corinthians, verse 6 explains this process by saying that when we do that, we become obedient to God's word or truth. We will then be willing to punish any wrong thoughts or lies that come into our lives. See, by re putting these thoughts captive to the Bible, then we will even be able to discern what would be wrong lies and wrong, wrong ideas. Earlier, I mentioned that renewing our minds will do three things. It'll transform us. It'll allow us to know God's will and become one of his disciples. To understand how renewing the mind helps develop believers into disciples of Jesus Christ, we need to turn to chapter 8 of John's Gospel. Beginning in verse 31 and ending in 32, we find these words. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Once again, this is a familiar passage of Scripture to most Christians. However, we usually only refer, refer to the last verse, which says that you will know truth and the truth will set you free. To fully grasp what this last verse means, we have to look at both verses and put them in the proper context. Here, Jesus is telling this concept to some Jews who had become believers. Now, this also means that there must have been some Jews who did not believe on him. So here we find two groups of people identified. There are believers and unbelievers, or the saved and the lost. To the believers, Jesus says that if they continue in his word, they will be his disciples. Now, this means not every believer will become a disciple of Christ. However, every disciple, true disciple, must first be a believer. But here is the key to moving from being just a believer to becoming a disciple. And it's also the key to knowing truth and being set free from the bondage of sin and lies. It is continuing in God's word. Now, to continue in God's word doesn't mean that you simply get up every morning and read the verse of the day on your Bible app or that you listen to a couple of passages of Scripture during your, your pastor's sermon on Sunday morning. You know, how, how can we really know truth? We must continue or take up daily residence in the Bible. You see, there's a big difference if you just go and visit a friend's home, 
or if you actually move in and reside in your friend's home. And this is true when it comes to reading the Bible. The great late uh, preacher Spurgeon said, visit many good books, but live in the Bible. The question becomes, how do I actually renew my mind? Are there certain steps that I must take? Or is it just simply a matter of daily reading my Bible and then my mind will automatically be renewed? Well, many years ago, I came across an intriguing passage of Scripture. Uh, it is in the book of Nehemiah. Now, now, just to let you know how I looked at Nehemiah in my younger days, I thought Nehemiah was about rebuilding the wall around Jerusalem, and that was it. Now, I realized I had learned and some people had taught me some leadership lessons that uh, came from uh, Nehemiah. But it was really about restoring the wall around Jerusalem, and that was the main focus of the book. Now, that all changed when I read chapter 13. And now I believe that the book of Nehemiah is something that helps me understand how I can build a godly life. See, the wall is simply the outer defense of a godly life. Uh, Here is where salvation, baptism, church membership come into play. But in chapter 13, I found these verses. Now, prior to this, Eliashib the priest, who was appointed over the chambers of the house of our God, being related to Tobiah, had prepared a large room for him, where formerly they put the grain offerings, the frankincense, the utensils, and the tithes of grain and wine and oil. Now keep in mind that Eliashib was a high priest, and he and his fellow priest were the ones who actually rebuilt the sheep gate in the wall. So Eliashib was a man of God. Tobiah, on the other hand, was one of those men who were mocking the Israelites and mocking God and tried to stop the work on the wall. But here we find Eliashib, the man of God, giving Tobiah, the man of the world, a room to live in and where? Right in the center of the house of God. Now now let's put this into present-day reality. There's no longer a house of God like we had in Nehemiah's day. Today, the house of God, God's temple, is a Christian's body. My body is God's temple. And in my body, there is a large room in the center of God's temple that is meant to hold some of the uh, items that would be used to worship God. Now that large room is my mind. And the items that I should have in my mind would be thoughts that could be used to worship God. However, what we have to understand is, in our minds, in every person's minds, are Tobiah's goods. Tobiah has taken up residence. Those are worldly thoughts. And they're present in my mind because, guess what? Present in your mind because everyone is born in sin and our minds are naturally bent towards sin. When when Nehemiah returned to Jerusalem and found out what Eliashib had done, he was very broken. And, And listen to what Nehemiah did. And again, this is Nehemiah chapter 13. Here's what's written. I came to Jerusalem, and I learned about the evil that Eliashib had done for Tobiah by preparing a room for him in the courts of the house of God. 
It was very displeasing to me. In fact, one translation says that Nehemiah was grieved at heart. So I threw all of Tobiah's household goods out of the room. Then I gave an order and they cleansed the rooms. And then I returned there the utensils of the house of God with the grain offerings and the frankincense. Now, from this passage, I saw that Nehemiah took certain steps, and these are the same steps that we must take because it's involved in renewing our minds. Step one is this. You and I must first be grieved at the condition of our minds, especially when it's filled, when that mind is filled with the world's thoughts, considering the fact that my mind was designed to hold God's thoughts in them. And then once we're grieved, then it's time to take action. And step two, you and I must throw the world's thoughts out of our minds. This has to do with area of life, not just our religious life. And then step three, we must cleanse the walls of our minds by confessing to God the sin that we were in, allowing our minds to think the world's thoughts. You know, in 1 John 1, 9, Scripture tells us that if we confess our sins, God is faithful to forgive us of our sins and then to cleanse us of all unrighteousness so he can cleanse our minds. But step four is very, very important. See, it's one thing to throw out bad thoughts, the thoughts that go against Scripture, but that won't be enough. In fact, that's very dangerous because that would leave a void of thoughts in our minds. And what we've got to understand is, if you go into the New Testament, when when one time some demons had left a person, but they didn't put in a, a true spirit, a God's spirit, and what happened, demons came back in in greater number and had a greater hold. So we can't just take out the worldly thoughts. Step four is we've got to replace the worldly thoughts like we saw in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 with the truth of God's word as they relate to every area of my life. Now here's something that I have learned over time. Renewing the mind is not a one-time act. It is something that I have to do each and every day that I'm alive here on earth. I am, see, I'm constantly bombarded by lies. And if I don't keep my guard up, these lies will find a home in my mind. It'll be subtle. I won't realize it's taking place, but pretty soon I'll be acting on those lies. See, what we have to understand is every Christian can really know truth. However, it won't happen if we are not intentionally and continually involved in this spiritual battle for our minds. We must constantly be renewing our minds. And when we do, four things are going to take place in our lives. Our lives will be radically transformed. We will know God's will. We will know truth. And finally, we will be set free from lies. I want to thank you for tuning in to Kingdom Currents. And I also want to take just a minute to thank Northwest Christian School 
in Phoenix, Arizona, and its Frameworks program for sponsoring this podcast. Frameworks provides students with online biblical worldview courses. And I would encourage you to get more information on Frameworks by going to Northwest Christian Schools website, which is ncsaz.org forward slash frameworks. That's ncsaz.org forward slash frameworks. Until next time, I pray that you will renew your mind, know truth, and be set free from lies. I'm Holly Barnes, and I work at Northwest Christian School as the Director of Marketing. I want to tell you about Frameworks. Northwest Christian School has made Biblical Worldview online courses available to all high school students for transcript credit, regardless of whether they attend public school, private school, or homeschool. Frameworks has developed these courses using subject matter experts and curriculum from Summit Ministries, Young Life, Likewise Worship, and many others. For more information, visit BibleClassesForPublicSchools.com.